my name's John Affioli, and I'm delighted today to be talking to my friend, Udi Silver. Udi, lovely to see you. You are completely branded. You look fantastic. How are you? How are you? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so glad. More people, wear, more people need to wear the body warmers. I don't know where they've disappeared to, but they're such a strong look, right? I know. Well, thank you very much. Although, having said that, the sun's just popped out. So uh, by the end of this interview, I'll probably be sweating. But yes, it's a uh, kind of uh, I love a bit of branding, as you can tell. Yeah. I was, I was, I was so. I really enjoyed when we did an interview. We did a written piece of content. I don't know. I don't know when it was actually. It felt like it was maybe months ago. I enjoyed it so much, and the reaction it got on, you know, when we put it on, on on social media as well. People really clearly love what you guys are doing because it had loads of likes. But I remember thinking, I wish I'd had the opportunity to actually interview interview you and actually and, and actually record it. So thank you so much for giving us, you know, ding dong round two of being able to interview you because because um, your story's wicked. And what's really nice is just you're clearly having a lot of fun doing what you're doing with your business. But also you've got some great gems and some great insights that I just think it'd be lovely to hear directly from, from your mouth. But I have been, I've been addicted to your products ever since, ever, ever, ever since you sent me that big box. They are, they really are so damn tasty. And I do think, as I emailed to you, there should be a bit of a warning here, which is the minute you open that packet thinking, okay, I'm gonna just have a little bit, the whole damn packet goes. They are incredibly tasty and I'm salivating now just talking about them. But you're wearing Snuffling Pig, but that's just one third of the story, which we'll get to in a moment, because you're actually the co-founder of three businesses. But let's just start with Snuffling Pig. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor products that have, you know, they're literally flying off the shelf. It's a multi-million turnover business. Who would have thought? And, yeah. you know, the, the, the history to get to here as well, your uh, co-founder appearing on Dragon's Den, you got investment from, from Nick Jenkins, uh, who's the founder yeah. of, uh, the founder of, what was the car company called? Mm -hmm. Boon Pig, the greetings. Yeah. yeah. Just to, if that's the right order to start with, or maybe that's that business isn't the right order to start with, just tell us the journey to, to, to co founding and starting your businesses. Yeah, sure. So I guess kind of pretty kind of standard background, I guess. I kind of finished school and kind of went into university. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I kind of did an international finance and trade course, but I absolutely hated it after a year. It was first time away from home, so had loads of fun and didn't really go into uni much. So uh, it was kind of in year two, I kind of thought, well, let, let me actually do something that I, I'm quite interested in, which was business, because it was kind of quite broad. Um, did business studies. And then kind of after that, I was kind of flicking through the paper, as you do, the local paper uh, back at home. And I saw a job um, as a buying assistant for Dreams, a bed company. So... I kind of joined there, um, buying bedsteads from the Far East and kind of working with buyers. And I kind of got got kind of involved in the world of retail and understanding how that all works and kind of buying products at good value and kind of making them look more premium and then selling them in stores. Um, and then I did that for a while. Then I went to work at Harrods as a buyer again. Um, wow. So that was all. Yeah. 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 So that was all very high end. It was kind of buying designer cushions and the high-end one-off pieces. Um, and that was quite interesting. But then I kind of thought, well, I, I kind of want to get out of retail. Um, and I, I went into the medical industry um, of all places and joined a company called BMI Healthcare, who are a private hospital group. And I was a junior buyer 
buying everything from gloves and dressings, all the, all the kind of PPE that is quite important these days. Um, yes. Kind of that um, and the equipment, and we had to we had to buy it at the best price and supply it into all our hospitals. And it was there when I was doing that for five years and kind of got promoted a couple of times. And uh, I met uh, a guy who's my 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 buddy and my co-founder, uh, Nick Colbin. That's yeah. nice you put it in that order, you know, your buddy and your co-founder. Yeah, it was kind of, it, it's funny, we actually became buddies after becoming business partners, whereas most people kind of are friends and then become business partners. Um, yeah. Probably the right way to do it. And we, um, we basically, um, we both had the same kind of aspirations. We were both running a department with several buyers and we, we kind of were egging each other on to kind of outdo each other whilst we were working together. Uh, yeah. And it was, you know, it was soon, you know, we had lots of kind of photocopier chat about what we wanted to do next and what the grand plan was. And we, we both realized we were quite aligned and um, we both had this kind of desire to go and do our own thing. But we, uh, the challenge was we didn't know what we wanted to do. So we, we kind of looked at what everyone does when they want to start a business. They look at what's doing well or what, what are the trends? And the trends were Subway was coming into the UK and Subway franchises were, were, were popping up everywhere. And we kind of thought, let, let, let's go buy a Subway franchise. And then um, we soon realized that actually you, you need quite a bit of money to buy a Subway franchise. And we kind of thought, well, we haven't got any money. So we looked at buying a pizzeria. We looked at investing in hydropower buying a nursery, um, <laughs> looking at doing a care home. Uh, and then actually, it's funny that the government started talking about GPs coming together and buying, but having the budgets for healthcare and, and buying all the products for all the hospitals. And we suddenly thought, well, actually, we, we, we know this industry relatively well. Um, why don't we just kind of, you know, think about doing our own thing. Let's, let's go and help the GP save money. Um, and we did a bit of research and, you know, we're talking about a few hours of research between us. And um, it was just one day Nick egged me on and he said, let's let, let's just do it. Let's just give it a go and let's just see what's the worst that's going to happen. Um, so he wrote the resignations. I went and handed them in. Um, uh, <laughs> looking back, we were crazy. And um, we then thought that that same day at lunchtime on our lunch break, we went and bought a laptop each from Curry's um, and we were then put on, uh, we weren't put on gardening leave, we had to work our notice but it just meant that we could actually work on our businesses um, kind of in the evening. So we kind of thought right let's, let's go out there and let's help GP save money. So we set up this business called Procure Health um, and when we left um, we basically we operated out of my spare bedroom and we bought two IKEA tables and we thought, right, what do we do now? So we just um, downloaded loads of data off the internet and started uh, building a database of GP surgeries. And we would spend all day from nine in the morning to half five cold calling practice managers, trying to get a meeting to um, go and visit them and look at how we can save them money. And we would do this day in, day out, and we'd get the odd meeting and we feel like we've kind of, like, we're over the world and we, we then bought a smart car. We went to meet these practices and we um, would take away their invoices, find out how we could save their money, go home, do the analysis. And then the next day we'd phone them up and kind of say, hey, we can help you save money. You need to buy from us. But the challenge was we soon realized that business model was completely flawed because 
we were having to tell these GP surgeries that we could save them money, but then they'd have to buy from lots of different places to in order to get those those deals. Um, so six months in, still not making a penny. Um, I happened to have enough money to go on my mate stag do, which was uh, to Vegas. <laughs> and wow, uh, yeah, and um, on that stag do, I met one of his friends who was a software developer, uh, and he had his own little business. It was just three guys. And um, he said, this sounds really interesting. We could write a piece of software where you guys could almost become like the Amazon for healthcare and all these deals that you set up, people can come and buy from you. So I came back and kind of Nick and I went for a beer and I said, look, we, we could create the Amazon for healthcare here. And um, we thought that's a, that's a cracky idea. And we met these other developers that were working with my friend, Matt and we thought these guys are great they're total software geeks they eat what sits all day and they love coding and they just know they just know how to they just knew how to build this platform for us and they were lovely guys and they helped build kind of what we call today medical supermarket and medical supermarket is, is right now, right now. <laughs> and um it kind of it's a, it's a one-stop shop for surgeries to buy everything they need to run their business from um, medical supplies, cleaning products, stationery, um, and that business, at the moment we created that model, it started to scale, and it started to scale very quickly, and we kind of grew from a just a team of two to, to now there's a team of 20 people working at Medical Supermarket, and Lloyd Wilcox, who runs that business for us, he was, um, he, he left school, and he was our, I think he was our fourth employee, and he he's now He's only 26 years old, but he's our managing director for that business. And yeah, and he looks That's after, awesome. you know, that, that business and 20 people and the turnover is growing. He's doing a great job. Um, a lot of the original people that we work with are still there. And over time, whilst running that business, um, we started to look at other ideas and especially Nick, my business partner, because everything we do, we do together. And his personality is he, he loves new stuff. And it has to be new and it has to be the next thing and uh, he said come on Udi, let's 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 i'm getting a bit bored with selling medical supplies let's do something different and i was very wary oh i don't know is it the right time to take our eye off the ball and um it just so happened that we had a bet a 500 quid bet and a steak dinner uh, to go out and come up with an idea and nick had a cracking idea he came back and he said look we should really do pork scratchings and um let's i said just, pork let's, scratch let's just let's just, let's, let's just put you there i love that you go out for a dinner and a steak and you're going to come up with, come up with an idea and you know we were expect we were i was expecting you to say something you know we're going to cure something or we're going to create something that means that you know you never have to cook again but you just said that pork scratchings and that is what i just love that's just so expected yeah <laughs> why? why pork scratchings well, it's kind of, I, th I think that Nick has this vision that kind of like at the time beer was going all craft and um, uh, kind of uh, uh, popcorn was going gourmet. There was lots of different snacks around in the marketplace and uh, no one had added any personality or innovation to pork right. snacks. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, you know, it was my kind of thing that I used to eat when I was at uni. I'd be down the pub and Nick had kind of uh, he, his nostalgia was with when he was playing darts with his dad and he kind of said like you know there's a clear opportunity and we both agreed so 
that's kind of how Snaffling Pig was born. And uh, kind of fast forward today, we're now kind of a team of uh, just under 20 and, and, and growing tremendously quick. And we've got everything from, I don't know if you could see some of our product range behind us, but we've got everything from kind of whooping great big advent calendars, which uh, we sell in like John Lewis and Debenhams and Selfridges. And we've got everything. We've even got our own beers. So we've got Snaffling Pig beers. Wow, beautiful. Got beers. We've got the whole kind of um, holy grail of kind of pork stacks. We've got pork puffs, various porky different puffs. flavors. Porky puffs, which is like a, a lighter quaver. It's like it's like like the quaver version of pork snacks. So it's a lot lighter. It's double cooked at much higher temperature, so they're nice, light, and fluffy. And then you've got your traditional pork crackling and scratchings. See, Udi, what I find so cool about what you've done is, you know, they are they are so tasty. They're so delicious. I'm, as I keep on, I'm trying not to think about it because I keep on, you know, wanting to go and smash about ten bags. But they <laughs> look beautifully blended, and you know, you've got them in some incredible retailers, as you mentioned by the calendar there. They're John Lewis. It'd be great just to get some nuggets, some insights in terms of how you've therefore created the brand, because it's something so many people try to do and fail to do. Have you got any sort of gems in terms of how you think you've managed to achieve that? Yeah, I think um, I think we, we, what we did, we, if we just look at our marketplace, I think a lot of brands just look at their marketplace and kind of look at the opportunity there. We started to try and look at, well, where else could we take this product? And pork snacks and pork crackling, it's, uh, it, it's very indulgent. So it's just like chocolate. It's a cheeky indulgence. Um, and you'd never be able to gift someone something like a crisp. But with something a little bit more indulgent, you can. And um, we were at a, um, when we first started handing out some of these products at a, uh, a beer festival, a local brewery. And we were doing, handing them out in pink and white stripy bags. And there's nothing more perfect than a combination of kind of beer and pork snacks. And someone actually mentioned that you should, act, you should actually put these in a jar and they'll, they'll sell really well. And people are putting popcorn in jars and you know, you could then suddenly turn it into a gift. And we thought, what a great idea. So um, we went down to a hardware store, bought some, bought some jars um, and uh, started selling them and put them online. Um, and then that suddenly elevated the brand into a completely different category, which is far bigger than our, the kind of pork snacks category in the UK. Um, and then we started to experiment with different types of gifting. And um, if you look at kind of sweet gifts out there, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of sweet gifts. But when it comes to savoury, there's only very little on offer. Um, so it kind of challenged us to start thinking about, you know, how do we take the jar to the next level? So we did the jar. We then launched some sauces. We then would put the jar with the sauces and yeah. sending these gifts to buyers in all the big retailers, they, they love newness and they love something that's, that's going to kind of drive a different um, category of customer. Uh, and this is what we were trying to do, because I, th I think there's always a bit of a stigma that pork snacks are almost like a naughty treat. You shouldn't really talk about it. We shouldn't really share that you actually like them. But actually, we've kind of, you know, um, kind of changed that because now our product is in really high-end stores all the way down to kind of the grocers and farm shops and convenience stores. Um, so it's kind of helped, I guess my kind of nugget in all of that is always try and think about how you can stretch your brand into other areas. Um, You're so right. Pre previously, it was always in a pub, having a beer. And you, 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 
you've absolutely hit the, hit, hit the spot there. That's what I think is so incredible, what you've done. You've made it mainstream. You've got it so that it's, you know, it's easy and accessible and, and very, very fine to walk around proudly eating your, your pork scratching. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, we're excited by it. We've got we've got lots of SKUs, and I think for um, you know if a management consultant came in, they'd probably say, "Oh, you've got far too many SKUs." But we we look at it when you're building your brand, you want to have lots of opportunities to get your product in front of different consumers, um, and that that's a great brand builder for us. So you know, having the advent calendar, you know, having having this mass whopping big advent calendar, if that's on someone's mantelpiece. For 24 days at Christmas, next time they're in the pub or they're in the farm shop or they see our packets um, hanging up in the pub, they'll think, "Oh, I had that at Christmas," and you know that that's I've got a kind of connection there to that particular brand. So that's kind of why we do what we're doing. Cool. So we've covered. Um, oh, actually, before we want to start up logistics because I think that's so current and interesting in terms of the pandemic and obviously the way that people have shifted their fulfillment needs to, to customers so before we get there i can't not just quickly talk about this but uh how useful is it being on dragon's den yeah i'm being, um, being successful on dragon's den yeah so so nick nick invested a lot of time in preparing for this and it um it basically showed us the power of pr um yep. a lot of brands go on there you know a lot of brands in their journey think about investment and investment is very important um but don't underestimate the power of pr and getting kind of 12 minutes of airtime uh in front on national tv is so powerful because that actually helped us enable us to kind of use that uh pr leverage to help open doors so um you know, we managed to, off the back of that, we, we saw a huge spike in kind of demand in terms of our website. We were then able to kind of use that as collateral to speak to the grocers, speak to the big supermarkets, and then say, look, you know, how do we get our product into, uh, into the big grocers? And we've been on national TV, we've been on Dragon's Den, we're starting to see a big kind of trend in kind of people coming to buy our products. So that was a, a, a kind of big boost for us as a, as a business. And, and the Dragon himself, um, Nick Jenkins, he's been great. He's kind of offered us lots of kind of um, structure and financial discipline. And he loves Porksnack and he's a big fan and advocate of the brand. Uh, he's always on the end of the phone. He's not, um, you know, they're scary on TV, but they're actually really down to earth behind the scenes. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of perks out of it. We've managed to take our team down to his estate and, you know, we've had a bit of fun and, um, you know, he's entertained us. It's been great. And it's been really nice for all the kind of team behind that. So big, big shout out to him then. Sounds like he's a top guy and he's doing some amazing yeah. things for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's just quickly, is there, is there anything about just the, the studio or the Dragons itself that's just, that we've got to know? For example, I heard a rumor, the lift isn't real. Uh, no, the lift is real. The lift is real. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That back. I would say that like not all the deals go through. So what you see on TV, I think it's a, a much smaller percentage. I think about 30% of the deals actually go through because, you know, one of the things that um, like any dragon would be is, uh, or any investor, is like the due diligence afterwards is really, really important for them. And as a brand preparing for that, you know, don't underestimate how much data and prep you need to have and you need to back up your success story in terms of kind of 
who you're working with, how you're managing your cash, um, what your projections are like, are your forecasts on the market accurate? So never underestimate how much work it takes behind the scenes to get your get your business to that point. Yeah, okay, cool. So startup logistics, that's, yep. uh, that fascinates me because I, I tell you why this is, this is so interesting. I can never remember what the exact statistic is, but I know it's way into the 90s, and that's businesses that from the startup phase within the first year or two, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know, I probably should have checked it before we started rolling, but a phenomenally high number of businesses fail when they start, sadly. Um, and yet you guys are proving that you are able to come up with the idea, get it going, yeah. execute it, and then get it to the point, you know, it's becoming a really successful, thriving, thriving, thriving product. I understand your revenues in Snaffling Pig alone are greater than 5 million, is that right? yeah yeah almost six this year so wow. yeah it's been great. great yeah yeah fantastic so um so moving on to the third business another startup which i understand is doing phenomenally well as well um but let's get back to that question in a moment quickly tell us about startup logistics and i'd like to explore again some of your insights into you know how to make sure your startup doesn't become a statistic i think that's you know that'd be really compelling and really cool but yeah tell us about startup startup logistics yeah, so Startup Logistics uh, was born at, at the start of the pandemic, uh, John. So we we uh, we lost our on-trade business at Staffling Pig. All the pubs turned off, all the wholesale channels turned off. All we had left was grocery, which is the supermarkets. But all the supermarkets, they were prioritising all the lorries for loo roll and pasta. So we had a challenge getting our pork snacks into the stores. So we, the only channel that was available for us and gifting was kind of non-existent um, because everyone was worried about the pandemic. So we, we channeled all of our resources into online and investing in Google ads, investing in Facebook um, and our own Shopify. And uh, we, we network with a lot of other food and drink brands and our kind of network, we share a lot of stories and a few brands approached us and said, look, we, we're not, we don't have a D2C operation, which is a direct to consumer operation. Would you guys be happy to hold some of our stock and would you be happy to send it out on our behalf? And at the time we were optimizing our warehouse and we had just invested in um, a lot of money in a new kind of warehouse management system. And it was quite good timing, actually. We took on three brands um, who are still with us today. Um, Double Dutch Tonics, Tenzing, um, and Dr. Will Sources, and um, they started. Yeah, Ooh. Dr. Will Sources. Yeah, so we look after all of their their, their kind of direct to consumer, and um, these brands. All we were doing is we were fulfilling their orders, so their orders were coming into us, and we were helping them pick, pack, and ship them in the format they wanted us to, and sending it out. So we we were kind of doing it as a favour. But then they, off the success of that, they then told a few other brands, those brands told other brands. And fast, but we haven't even been operating startup logistics for um, a year yet. I think it's a year in May. And uh, we're up to 65 brands now. Um, <laughs> fulfilling, yeah. yeah, fulfilling all of their- It started start, start as those three and you've grown it to 65. Yeah. Less than a year. And yeah. Best than a year, and we we had to get a new warehouse, so we've got another warehouse uh, over in Aylesbury, and we're looking at taking on another warehouse, and that model's kind of evolved massively. We now do Amazon for a lot of the brands. We we look after their Amazon category. Uh, we we we've got 
uh, we're using our expertise at Snaffling Pig and helping those brands. So we do things like personalization. So we, where we at Snaffling Pig, you can personalize a, a bottle of beer or a jar with someone's name or mum or dad or love you. Uh, we're also now doing that on people's wine bottles and beer cans and protein bars. We can yeah. do the personalization. Um, so it's a really exciting business. And I never thought fulfillment could be that sexy, but actually we're trying to kind of just um, look at the opportunities and it, it, it's awesome because we're working with lots of like-minded founders and food businesses. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting is that opportunity. The fastest, is that the fastest growing of three businesses? Would you say the startup uh, logistics? Yes, I would say so. In terms of people and yep. current rate of turnover, I'd say yes, yeah. How many people have you got in that business now? So already there is 16 people in that business. So. And it's not wow. even a year old. So. That is remarkable. So you've got, I take it then with everything that's, you know, the pandemic has obviously created a, a massive a massive need for direct to consumer. But I mean, I take, I take my mum, who's now got a Prime account. I never thought my mum would have had a, a Prime account, but yeah. she, you know, she's on it. She's, she's, she's all over it. She's, yeah. she's the ninja on online shopping. <laughs> um, but the behaviour has now changed and that behaviour is now here to stay. So yep. I guess you've got some really big plans for, for that in, in, the, in the months and years ahead with that business as well now. Yeah, I think so. And it's quite interesting. So we, so we went after obviously the startup market, but we are working with some really big brands as well, um, some very big beer companies that we're working with. And we're kind of seeing, I guess people are saying that the pandemic's accelerated online behavior by about 10 years. So what you would expect to see a kind of gra gradual increase in online behavior, that's now kind of you know parachuted ahead and um yeah online is is growing dramatically and in our own business in Snapling pig our online revenues have gone up 300 percent in in a year um and uh with a lot of the brands in startup logistics they're also experiencing again the majority of them are saying they're going for kind of 50 to 100 percent growth this year right. and uh, yeah consumer behaviors change dramatically people are are ready to receive products to their door and are, are kind of um you know not wanting to go out as much so yeah they're kind of buying into the convenience element of it all so let's just get to the fact now that uh, as i was saying earlier three startups three successful businesses over 20 in one 20 or nearly over in the other one, 16 already, you know, you employ a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of millions in terms of your, your top line uh, revenue across the three businesses. How do you not become a statistic? What are some of the, the nuggets that you could give us in terms of, you know, making sure that you build a startup that can can keep going, you know, and, and ultimately it's built to thrive like you, you've done? Yeah, I think uh, the things I'd, um my little kind of takeaways would be one of the things we learned, we learned quite early on at medical supermarket was, you know, encouraging your, your teams to have take on more responsibility. Um, in the early days as a business founder, you, you want to do everything. You want to own the whole process and you're very nervous about letting go. And one of the things that I think we, we soon realized was there were certain members in the team that were really stepping up and wanting to take on more and wanting to have that responsibility. And yeah. one of the hard initial learnings was letting go, but actually letting go, um, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, people want to adapt. Everyone wants to come to work to do a good job, right? So you should give people the opportunity to 
to kind of take the reins and, and kind of make it their own destiny. And we're yeah. very fortunate. Medical supermarkets is an example of that. We've got a 26 year old who's running that business. Nick yes. and I have nothing to do with it day to day. And we're very fortunate that he um, he's driving that forward. We meet up once a month that we talk about how it's all going and we help him with a bit of structure and planning. And then he's off, he's off and he's, he's gone and he's loving it. And everyone around him is very motivated by that. And even with kind of snaffling pig, Got, we've got people that joined us as kind of helping on the customer service side of the business who are now running the entire on-trade side of the business and looking after all of our wholesalers and uh, the, the opportunities. And I, I think it's very important to allow people to create their own destiny within your business. Yes. It's really important. So for all those control freaks out, out there, it would appear yeah. your advice is don't, you know, take have faith in the people that you you know you brought into the business and as quickly as you can is it i mean is it a case of as quick as you can step out of that day-to-day -day, you know running site so that you can as you said support on the big picture stuff the strategy and then let them let them have fun doing it you said fun a lot there yeah i mean i definitely think that there's there's a it takes a bit of time to build up a bit of trust but you also have to learn to kind of be able to pick up the pieces if it doesn't work and there are absolutely instances where it doesn't work but um you know that that's one of the things as a as a founder and entrepreneur you have to kind of get quite hot on is giving people the opportunity and then if it doesn't work out finding some another using their skill set in another part of the business and getting someone else to kind of take on that role um is really important and um you know looking at um kind of opportunities and do executing things really quickly we talk about this thing Nick and I, minimal viable products. And you know, some, some brands and founders spend ages trying to work out the, the you know, bringing to market the product and it has to be picture perfect. Whereas we're very much, let's get it to a position where we can buy a very limited amount. Let's try it, see how it goes. If it works, let's then invest more money into it. If it doesn't, let's kind of rework and, and try it again. So, you know, we, it's like we do an apple and crackle gift set, which is a, a jar of um, uh, snapping pig, salted crackling and an apple sauce. And we kind of thought when, when, you know, when we were talking to our colleagues about let's do an apple sauce, everyone thought, oh, you know, we've got to give it some thought. It's got to taste like this. It's got to look like this. And we kind of thought, no, let's find a reputable company. Let's get them to make it. Let's buy 20 and let's stick our snaffling pig logo on it. Let's put it into a, a, a more premium looking pack with our jar um and yeah we started selling it and now we're buying thousands of jars of um, <laughs> apple sauce i think it's one of my important learnings is um you know if you're 80 percent of the way there just just get it out there it's like medical supermarket our software developers were like oh the system's not quite ready to go live yet and i remember that being around our developer's house sitting around his dining table and he was like oh i want to do a bit more testing and 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 um, Nick and I just saying that, look, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Let's just put it live tonight. Let's work through all the little technical gremlins as and when they arise and let's just push it out there. And we're very driven by this kind of, if we're, if we're almost there, get it out there and worry about it later. You know, that's the second time I've heard that this week, which is, it was, uh, again, it was the question to, to someone was, what's your biggest piece of advice? And there's just, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it, just get on with it. The biggest, the biggest hindrance to actually achieving is overthinking and then all of a sudden yeah. if you overthink 
all the issues, the challenges, and that might just stop you actually doing the bloody thing you wanted to do in the first place, just, just start it. So it seems like you, you, you really, you know, you really subscribe to that way of thinking, which is, which is good to hear that. Common thing, yeah, yeah. Now, um, can I just circle back to the beginning? And you know, you, you got three kids, and yep. you've got three businesses. And I'm going from the article. You started with three newspaper rounds. Uh, I don't know. I'm picking out the threes here, but it just seems bit of yeah. artistic like you've done there, which is quite clever. I don't know. But anyway, um, you've you know, you've, you've obviously got a fantastic work ethic. You've got a lot going on in your life, a lot of plates to fill. What's your advice for, for being able to do everything you want to do personally and professionally? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And um, a lot of people kind of question how crazy Nick and I are and why, why are we not focusing on one thing? And, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for people that focus on just kind of one thing. And I think I am, I am, a better family person if I am kind of fulfilling all my needs through work as well it enables yep. me to be a better dad at home and I don't really it's interesting I don't really have that many hobbies my my hobbies are my work I really enjoy it and I think if you're really enjoying what you're doing it doesn't feel like work and it means when I am at home I can really try and switch off and when I'm around my kids I'm very conscious that they want my time they know I'm very busy they know there's lots going on so I'm very conscious of, of finding that balance it is hard it is very very hard yeah. um, but getting the kind of kids to be part of that also is quite important so you know we're launching chorizo into um, every single Tesco's in a few uh, in a few weeks and getting getting my kids to review it and making it as part of their kind of you know, a little bit of an experiment at home was great fun. So they can actually understand and see what daddy does at work and they can be part of it. So it, it is a challenge though. I don't, you know, I don't, anyone who goes into the world of running your own business or entrepreneurship, it, it is a hard balance. And people say that, you know, is there, is there such thing as work-life balance? I'd say in my world, no, there isn't. There is no balance. You just kind of, you have to put your all into it. And if you're enjoying it, you'll find a way through it and you know getting getting outside for 20 minutes just now for me before this call was great because it was a bit of a reset refresh and then back on it again what you've done really well is it bringing bringing your work at home but you've managed yeah. to in a fun way integrate it into yeah. making sure your kids know about it and they, they they can have fun as well because it's such a big fun thing that you yeah. do and you your hobby that for me is a really good learning point, which is don't be shy about bringing work home, just do it in the right way and make it make it so that it's a fun and, and, and it helps everybody get what they want out of life, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, we had to, uh, one of the brands at Startup Logistics, they were really desperate to send out some letters to their, to their customers. And whilst we'd normally do this through the system at Startup Logistics, um, we thought it's more cost effective for them to put a stamp on it and do it at home. So, so we said we'd do it and I just got the kids involved. And they absolutely loved it. And it was kind of, we, we set the um, whole dining table up like a little production line and they loved it. And kind of just being part of that is so important. And uh, getting them into Snappling Pig, or should I say Pork Knocks as our, our warehouse is called, um, and getting them on the, the pork lift, which is the forklift, uh, they love that. And it's so, so memorable for them as well. So, so yeah, it's very important. So finally, I want to come to uh, to, to to your values, uh, and I'm talking about your business values because we can't avoid that. Written in your office, 
um, are, I'm guessing, the cornerstone values. So we've got written on your window, we've got do great things. Uh, it's the second one, have fun. Have some fun. Have some fun. And and I think most importantly is don't don't be a dick. There are a lot of dicks in the world, sadly, and, and they can bring us all down in the process. So, you know, in terms of that as a value, it's obviously very important to to but but how do you enforce that? Do you just call people out if they if they're acting like a dick? You say, look, you're acting like a dick, stop it. Yeah, having great values is really important. And I think a lot of businesses out there, I mean, I, I've worked in the corporate world before and you, you know, you get a very you know, convoluted messages and very long sentences that don't, you'll, you'll never be able to remember them all. And we, Nick and I have the same kind of views that you need to keep things really simple. And these are values that we just believe in just generally in, in life. And um, we've instilled that in our entire business by having it beamed up in our wall, but also over in the warehouse and also on the on the forklift trucks and the baler it's it's kind of everywhere so everyone um kind of buys into what the values are and then whenever we're doing um kind of we're talking about successful projects or things we're working on or or if there is a mishap and someone has done something fundamentally wrong in the business you know we use the we use the value said you know don't be a dick you've been a dick uh, we've all been dicks before and we've got a you know, work out, you know, what went wrong, how do we improve and and kind of move on. So, yeah, having values that are kind of plastered all over your business that everyone believes in is, is so important. Um, that's why it's, it's kind of there. I think it's a great value. You know, a short while ago, I did something and it just hit, you know, my, my wife said, you know, you're being a dick. And it, it's just, it, it, it's straight in your, if someone says that to you, it stops you straight in your path, you know, and you're like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I need to stop being that. Um, has it has it has it reduced the level of dickish behaviour in, in your organisation? Yeah. yeah, dramatically. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I can I can I I I still make mistakes, and I know I put my hand up when I've done something wrong, and take myself back to those values and think, oh, do you know what? I have messed up there. I need to sort that out and get back to doing great things and having fun. So yeah, we all do it. We all do it. absolutely do it. So. Yeah, I think the, I think the fun is brilliant. You know, as you said, you, you're you're lucky to be able to do a job that means you have the you know your work is your hobby and it seems to me that you know the more people that you can empower to feel that you know they have real ownership of the job they're doing and have as much fun doing it as possible creates just a great great environment right so the value is clearly working for you then yeah yeah absolutely yeah so um i think i lied i said i think that's the final question we're friends uh -huh. let, let, if, if you don't mind just one one more one more question. Yeah. I, I, I didn't give you any warning that this was coming up, so I'm going to talk slowly so you've got a bit of time to think about it. So what is the one greatest piece of advice that you can give for any entrepreneurs out there who are thinking of starting or who have started and, you know, having a good time or a bad time or in between? Of course, it's a, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? It's good, good times and bad times. But what is the one big piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to this right now who's thinking, Do you know what? This guy looks like he's loving life, he's having fun, you know, it's his hobby. What could I learn from his experience to, to you know, to make, make, make my life as fun with my, with my, with my, my baby? Ooh, one, one piece of advice. That's a tricky one, John, but it's kind of all goes down to, to me, it's don't procrastinate. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, it, it's, it's hard and we're living in this world with the pandemic and it, it, it's not easy, but I think there's a lot of people out there that will 
sit and fester and think about things too much. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on is um, don't worry too much because what is the worst that's going to happen? I mean, who'd have thought we're going, we're, we're, you know, we'd ever see a pandemic in our, in our, in our generation. But yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that will, will kind of sit around or sip on their coffees all day around long and think about launching a business or they'll have launched a business and um, uh, festering too much about their product. I think it's so, so important to go and talk about your product and pick up the phone and talk to people, um, talk to buyers, send your product out, do some sampling. Um, it is so important. I've always learned that you never have a bad meeting. Um, you'll always learn something from a meeting and you might meet someone and think they're a dick, but you'll always learn something. Um, and it's so important to, to meet as many people as you can, talk to them about what you're doing, talk to them about who they're, who they're um, what connections they've had. Because our business has been brought up on kind of people and spreading the word, spreading the pig in word, we keep saying here. Uh, let's make the pig in magic happen. Let's go and tell everybody about it. And if the buyer from Hilton says no today, it might mean in three years time he will. Um, but you just have to keep going out there and, 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 and spreading the word because, you know, one of the things we see at Startup Logistics is a huge wave of people um, kind of setting up brands, setting up products. And, and I'm very conscious that they need to get out there and, and talk about their products because, you know, in the world of kind of challenger food brands, it is relatively easy to launch something new with a slightly different USP, but you will fall at the waistline unless you go out and tell people about it. So shout about your product, talk about your personal journey, use new forums like TikTok or LinkedIn or whatever to talk about what you're doing. Um, even if it's from a kind of personal level to show what you're doing today and, and try and relate everything back to your product is so important. And so I just got to pick up on you. You mentioned the phone there and actually you said it back in the beginning that learning how to pick up the phone and do a call was a really big part of your your yeah. your learning, you know, learning your trade. You know, I always think in the entrepreneurial world, the word, the word hustle is very acceptable because, you know, you have to hustle. You have to hustle to get your product out there. Yeah. I find a million reasons why not to pick up the phone. Yeah. yeah. Just do you, do you just does it just naturally come to you or is it just my never? It's just something you've made yourself to you pick up the phone and you talk to somebody. I'm just interested in that because it's such a great skill to have. I mean, in, in the early days, um, I absolutely hate it and I, and I still hate it now, but really? it's, um, wow. you, kind of, you kind of have to live by your sword or you die by your sword. So it was very much in the, with medical supermarket, if we didn't pick up the phone, if we didn't spend nine hours a day phoning around to try and get a meeting with one customer, then we have no income, we have no income and there is no forecast on having any income or having nice things or having a bit of comfort or being able to sleep well at night knowing that your bills are paid for and all of that. So it was very much that kind of drive to keep picking up the phone to finding a new customer, that's, um, that's what kind of drives you and that's what you, you kind of have to have the fear inside you to, to yeah. do that. And, um, you know, getting other people to do it on your behalf is, is is tough, but you have to set the standard with them. So when we got when we built up our on trade team, you know, it's very much you have to you have to sell to pubs over the phone because pubs are very people orientated people and they like talking and they like having a bit of banter. And it was one of the things that we 
we found when we started working with the pubs, we could win a big pub group like Green King, but it meant we had to phone every site to make sure they know about Staffling Pig and they're going to listen to what head office say, say they should do. And we had to kind of sample, send samples then we had to pick up and have a bit of banter and send them some freebies and send them some lovely messages in the post and that kind of thing. And it was, we had to kind of lead by example. So we'd have these kind of power calling days where um, <laughs> we'd bring loads of beers and, and uh, chocolate bars and whatnot, little gifts. And we'd kind of say, right, here's a first person to get the first order for Snaffling Pig gets a, gets a chocolate bar. If you get three in a row, then you get a bottle of champagne and, we try and do that just to kind of encourage that that kind of drive because um, it's so important. But yeah, I still I still hate leave, it, leave, but leave I love it. Front. You leave from the front. Yes. You're in there as well. Yeah. Good advice. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've taken up enough of your time. Um, you're a lovely a lovely guy, and it's so nice when you meet really lovely people to be able to you know just be happy for all the great things that you're doing. So you know. Proud of you guys. It's it's so it sounds like you're just having the best time of your life. Are there, is is there going to be, you know, child number four, baby number four with with the business? Are you going to stick at three for a bit? Three, I, I, three. I, I, mean that, I mean that in the business sense. <laughs> oh, in the, uh, <laughs> never say never. Never say never. I think we thrive on newness, and I know Nick and I will keep looking at other opportunities, but we'll never do it to the neglect of something else so we know Snaffling Pig is getting into a really good position now we've got a great team around us which enables us to kind of focus a little bit on startup logistics but again we're shaping that team there and it just enables us to do the things that we're really good at and get people around us who are kind of really good at the other things because we're not good at everything and, and finding those strengths is a is a fundamental balance in getting things right um, but yeah who knows who knows I'm sure next yeah. time we talk, I'll have something else to mention. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I urge everybody to go and get some of your lovely uh, your lovely snacks. And I really do mean it when I say snack responsibly, because it can go horribly wrong. Um, it can become very overindulgent very quickly. Um, but you're a lovely, a lovely guy. You know, so nice to be giving you time for us and just all the very best in the in the months and the years ahead with everything you do. Great. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Cracking. Okay.